This is the Evangelical Church of Bermuda's weekly sermon podcast. Thank you for joining us. Here is this week's sermon. Well, if you want to take your Bible or your device and get uh, Galatians chapter 5 ready uh, for the scripture reading, it'll be on the screen as well above me. Galatians chapter 5, starting in verse 22. Hear the word of the Lord. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. Let's look to the Lord. Our Father, thank you for the answered prayer that happened this past week at camp. Uh, Thank you that it was a great week for everyone. Thank you for planting the seed of your word into the hearts and lives of children. And we pray that that seed would, would grow and bear much fruit that it would be strongly rooted in hearts. And Father, we don't know what kind of a yield it will bring, but you do. And so we praise you for that in advance. Please give the the staff the rest they need uh, today. And and Lord, I pray for their, if if they're going back to work this this week, that Lord, it would be a a non-stressful week for them. Perhaps a a little easier on them than what would normally be the case. I pray you would bless them for their efforts. Father, we thank you for members of our church family who can't get here in the morning any longer. Father, would you you be with them? I know some of them are able to watch online and thank you for that blessing, but, but others don't have that ability, capacity, and so, Lord, we pray that you would, you would minister to them and help us as a church family to continue to, uh, to, reach, to reach out to them and to uh, show encouragement and, and gospel faithfulness. Lord, be with those who are sick. We know there are many with long-term illness, but many who are just suffering now just from recent things. And Lord, it's, it's difficult when we suffer, but we thank you that when we do, we often are brought closer to you. And that's one of the reasons why you, you allow this into our lives. And so Lord, would you, would you help those who are suffering in various ways to, to draw near to you because you promised to draw near to them. 
And Father, may they, may they look, be able to look back on this, whether here in this life or in, in glory in the next, and say it was worth it. And it was valuable. But Father, help us to, help us to look on, upon these people with love and compassion, just like our Lord. Father, I pray for our students who are on the mission trip to the Dominican Republic. I pray you would just go before them in all things. And Father, I pray that you would continue to work in their hearts even now. And Father, if you're calling one of these to longer-term mission, Father, may your will be done. And help us to encourage that, Father, if that be the case. And now, Father, thank you for the exposition of your word that we will sit under. We pray it would, it would work mightily, as it always does, into our hearts, cutting like that surgeon's knife where it needs to operate. May we leave here being able to take something away to apply to become more like Christ, our Lord. For we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, we've got our, our camp speaker for the week was our missionary, uh, Brent Fincham. And uh, what, what a treat that was for our children because he is, he is an excellent communicator of the Word of God and an excellent communicator in general. And so I'm, I'm thankful that we, Brent can uh, preach this morning. So Brent, come up, please. All right. Good morning, everybody. Wow. Come on, a little better. I, the kids did a lot better than that at camp, so come on. Good morning. All right. Good morning. All right. So uh, I just want to start by saying thank you. Uh, thank you for those who allowed us to steward your children for the week. Uh, they were a joy uh, to spend time with. Uh, thank you for those who gave of their time to pray, gave of their resources, I loved last week because I got to see God's church operating like it should. Uh, there were times where we needed something on the mainland and there was a phone call made to one of you and you dropped what you were doing right then and came. And to see God's family operating like it should, is, it's actually really re refreshing, if I could say that. Uh, it's really neat. And so thank you very much. Uh, God is so good and we were glad to be able to uh, talk about his word and the power that he has to change lives. Uh, many young people made decisions for Jesus Christ concerning their salvation, whether it was reassurance or a first-time decision to trust Jesus, and we look forward to talking to you guys about that uh, tonight. Uh, many young people decided, you know what, I'm going to give God my full life, and I'm going to give him whatever is in my future. And so we, uh, we count that a privilege. And and I actually, we use words sometimes too often to say silly things, and I think that's a miracle. It's a miracle of God in the hearts and minds of young people, and I'm glad that we got to be a part of that. If you have your Bibles, go ahead and open to Galatians chapter 5. And you heard Paul quote, or actually read, uh, the fruit of the Spirit. Many of you may have heard the fruit of the Spirit preached on. Some of you, when you hear the fruit of the Spirit, you think of a little song maybe that you learned when you were a child. Uh, and we're just going to look at the fruit of the Spirit 
Uh, when I was here in December, I actually did an introduction into the fruit of the Spirit, and I know every single one of you who were here, you remember everything about that sermon, so I don't have to go over it again. Uh, but if you do, I'm, I'm really impressed. But let me just share with, with you just an introduction to the fruit of the Spirit. It, it says this, the, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such, there is no law. The fruit of the Spirit, if you read this passage of, of Scripture, it actually starts a little before this, and it starts by talking about actually the fruit of the flesh. Some things that come out of us come to the surface of our life when we're not living for Jesus, someone who is who's being led around by the flesh. You see, fruit is, is it's real simple. It's what comes to the surface of our life. When you go to a, an apple tree and you see apples on it, you can know Beyond a doubt, that's an apple tree. Why? Because it's what came to the surface. In the very same way, when we produce after our rebirth, you know for sure that we are part of God's family. So, we are talking about the fruit of the Spirit. So, love, joy, peace, you guys know the song, but here's the question. How do we produce the fruit of the Spirit? We actually talked about that last time when, when we were together. Some of us when we think about the fruit of the Spirit, we think we need more effort. We look at that list and we say, man, I'm not very patient. I'm not very kind. I need to, I need to work, 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 work. If I just white knuckle and try a little harder, then I can produce the fruit of the Spirit. Well, that is not what the Bible says. In fact, in this portion of Scripture, there is really no command amongst this group. You see, the fruit of the Spirit is actually what's organically coming out of you when you're walking in the Spirit. This portion of scripture has two bracketed comments. It, it says, walk in the spirit and then walk in step with the spirit. Jesus says it this way. If you can turn your Bibles, I know I just had you turn to, to Galatians, but turn to John chapter 15, verses 4 and 5. This will be something very familiar to, to most of you. He says it this way. Abide in me and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine." Neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine and you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he bears much fruit. From apart from me, we can do nothing. So if you look at your life and you look at that list and you say, I just am not bearing the fruit that is representative of someone who's walking in the spirit. The answer isn't try harder. The answer is get close to Jesus. He actually says if you want to bear fruit, if you actually want to, to live out these things in your life, the answer isn't go and try, try, try. The answer is draw close to me. The best illustration that I can give you is this one here. If you guys do remember, you guys know this is a surge protector. It's very simple, right? You plug it into the wall where the energy is, and then you can actually have energy for a bunch of different things. And this is the illustration that, that Jesus is making. He's, he's saying, if you want to produce fruit in your life, you must be plugged into the source. You must abide in me, draw close to me, spend time with me. The more time you spend, the, the more time you spend with me, the more you look like me. You see, but many of us, we live our life like this. And we wonder why in the world we are not producing fruit for Jesus, or we're just exhausted at trying to do this Christian thing because we are just trying to, 
So we're, we're looking around, we're saying, I know I should be patient, I know I should be kind, I know I should do all of these different things, and we're trying to do it in our own strength. And if you've been there, or if you are there, that is exhausting. And that's never the way God intended it. He wants us to abide in him. And so we're actually going to look at that first characteristic of the fruit of the Spirit, the idea of love. Now, I love people's love stories. I love hearing how people came together and got married. Some of you guys, I've asked you your love story, and you've looked at me like, why do you care about this? I love hearing how people come together uh, to fall in love. And so, uh, but some of us haven't had the privilege of finding that person yet. And so I thought I would help you out this morning, okay? I'm going to give you some Christian pickup lines, okay? Some of my folks, you make, some, make sure you take good notes here, all right? All right. Here's the first one. Now, I know that Solomon had 700 wives, but that's only because he never met you. <laughs> Is it hot in here, or is that just the Holy Spirit burning inside of you? So last night, I was reading in the book of Numbers, and I realized I don't have yours. Some of you girls could go up to those single guys, and you could say, you put the stud in Bible study. Is it a sin that you stole my heart? Don't walk away, babe. I know you don't think I'm perfect, but Jesus says I'm to die for. Here's, here's the last one I'll give you. Hey, girl, I heard Jesus called you. Do you mind if I do the same? So try, try, try those out. If they work, uh, I'll be really impressed. So, all right. No, but we're going to talk about this word, word love. The word love, it, it can be really, really vague. It, it, you, we use love for a lot of different things. And so I, 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 I wondered what people thought about when you said the word love. So I actually went... In, in Atlanta to the streets and I actually asked people, when I say the word love, what do you think about? What, what, what comes to mind? And so we have a quick little video that kind of shows you what came to mind when that happens. The word on the street is that we got some words on the street. One, two. say the word love, what's the first thing that comes to mind? Like family and happiness, I want to say. I feel a lot of love for my family, and I feel like they bring a lot of positivity in my life. I think about family and action. Love isn't just about me telling you that I love you. It's more so about how can I show you, again, works. How can I show you these things? Family. Definitely family. Um, whether it's blood or not, family. It's They're all your family, and they give you all the love you need. Nature. <laughs> Happiness. For me, um, parental love. <laughs> my, my children, that was a whole new experience of love for me. I don't know, I think it's funny. I think about like a sunrise or a sunset. It's very, very broad scope. Happiness, like, yeah, that's probably it. I think uh, two people who enjoy being together and just enjoys, enjoy each other's comfort. Everyone deserves it. That's probably the first thing that comes to mind for me. Uh, my girlfriend. Uh, people around me in my life. Family, my kids. Hopeless romanticness. <laughs> uh, my, my dad, probably. 
uh, two people finding a, a match, um, just an, an unspoken bond that you know some people are lucky enough to find in this lifetime? Um, the people in my life who are very important to me. Um, I think about French class because it's like an obvious word in French and I'm like traumatized by French homework. Um, I think about my parents and then my grandparents and then also my friends and like the people I love. Or just family, true love. There's always like mercy and second chances involved in my opinion. Yeah. Having trust with one another and loyalty and compassion for one another. That God loves you. <laughs> people loved you. Um, you no know, love is a strong word, you know? You just gotta love the person you love and um, just keep it real. All right, gotta keep it real, gotta keep it real. So, so the reason I, I, I did that is, is because we use this word love, but it's kind of nebulous. It, it, it has this broad, shaded meaning that we don't really fully define. And when we come to this place in the scripture, and it says, this is one of the evidences of God's spirit inside of us. It's one of the things that should be coming to the surface, and it's love. We need to know exactly what God is talking about. It, let, me, let me show you a couple uh, pictures here. This is Mexican food. I love Mexican food. I'm pretty sure if you did one of those ancestry DNAs on me, somewhere I'd be Mexican. Um, because I love Mexican food. I also love college football. I love college football. Roll Tide for all you uh, Alabama fans, you know? No, no, okay. Um, I, love, I love lifting weights. I love lifting weights. I love amateur wrestling. I love every time amateur wrestling comes on, uh, I love watching it. I love my dog. This is, this is Shelly. She's our boxer. And uh, she is awesome. I love my dog. I love my children. I love that. That's when they were really, really young. Uh, I'm sure they love that. Uh, and I love my wife. I love my wife. Uh, I, do you guys see any problem with this collage of pictures? I use the same word to describe my affection towards tacos that I do towards my wife. Now that's a problem. You, you see, I love tacos, but if you come into my house and take all of the tacos in my house, I'll be upset. I'll be like, man, I wish I had tacos. But if you touch my children, I will go to jail. <laughs> Why? Why? Because, because, because I use the same word to, to talk about my affections towards my, my children that I do towards tacos. So we have to define this word many times. We have, we have this one word in English, but we have many words in Greek, which is the New Testament language. And so let's just look at a few of those words, okay? The first one is storge. Storge, it's an empathy bond, it's a familial bond. So this would be, uh, it's actually not used by itself in the New Testament. It's only used one time in the New Testament in a conjunction. But this is, a, this is that natural feeling that you have towards your family. This is a weird one for me. I remember when my first, my, my first child was, was born, Justice, immediately when Justice came into this world, there was a bond, and I knew, it was the weirdest thing, I knew that on some level we would be connected for the rest of our lives. It was, it was an immediate thing. I didn't, I didn't look at him and be like, man, there's a baby, eventually I'll love that thing. No, no, there, there, there was this... There was this connection, and, and for you who, who have good families, you, you realize there's this familial bond, it's, and that's what that word is, 
Phileo is like a, a friendship bond. It's a, it's a brotherly kindness. It's the root word for the city of Philadelphia, where brotherly, it's like a, a give and take. You scratch my back, I'll scratch your back. Then there's eros. Eros is a romantic love. It's like a sensual or sexual love. It's, it's, it's a feeling that you get. And this word actually is not used in the New Testament. But it's one that when we think of love, many times this is the word we think about. And then there's this word agape, which I know many of you are familiar with, but this is the unconditional love that God showed us. And this is the word that we see here that we are to exemplify in our life. It's not a reactionary love. What I mean by that is this. The Bible says that we were not chasing after God. It actually says that that. Uh, there's none righteous, no, not one, no one that seeks after God. Actually, God pursued us in our sin. It, there, was no, there was no trade-off. It was our sin, Christ's righteousness. He loved you so much that he pursued you. Romans chapter 5, verse 8 says it this way, that God demonstrates his love towards us, and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. His, the greatest demonstration of this type of love that's ever taken place on this earth was the exchange of Christ's righteousness for our sinfulness. The Bible says that God made him who knew no sin to be sin for us while we were sinners. God didn't wait for us to, to clean up our act or to get to a certain place. He actually came after us in the midst of our sin. And that is the type of love that Christ asked us to exemplify in our life. And we, and, and we say Jesus displayed grace and mercy in this, uh, at the cross. Now we use some of these words, we use them interchangeably. Sometimes we say mercy and grace, and we don't really define them. I think it's really important to define them, and I know you guys, many of you know what this is. Mercy is not getting what you do deserve, and grace is getting what you don't deserve. Some of you have heard God's riches at Christ's expense, but I want to, I just want to illustrate this, because I think sometimes it's better to use an illustration. So if I can have Isaiah and Julia come on up here, all right? We're going to do a quick illustration of grace and mercy, okay? Come on, all the way up here. Give them a round of applause. All right. All right, in this scenario, in this scenario, Julia, you're going to be the bad person, all right? Give, just boo Julia. It's okay. Just boo her just a little boo. Boo Julia. It's, it's okay. It's okay. Uh, she's from California, but she doesn't have, she shouldn't have a weak sense of humor. All right, here we go. Ready? Uh, so, so Julia is, uh, she's a thief. You are a thief, all right? Uh, and Isaiah and my grandma, they're actually hanging out together. And what do you, what do you call your grandma? Granny. Granny, right, granny and, I, I, and I call my grandma Mamma. okay? So, so Granny and Mamma are just hanging out. We're just having a good time. Um, and you know what Julia does? Julia comes over to the house and ties up Mamma and Granny. Ties them up and takes all of their life savings. Takes it all. Now that's pretty messed up, right? 
I mean, that is, that's, that, is not, that is not cool. So, 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 so here's the question. Here's the question. If Isaiah wanted to show mercy to Julia, what would that look like? Well, if mercy is not getting what you do deserve, you deserve to go to jail, you deserve to, to face a punishment, you might deserve a little wop, 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 just saying. But, but Isaiah says, I'm going to show you mercy. And, and I say, I'm going to show you mercy. And so, you know what? You don't have to pay that back. You're not going to face any punishment. It's the cancellation of her debt. So mercy is the cancellation of what she deserves. Now, many of us, when we look at the cross of Jesus Christ, we say, yes, 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 the cross was about Jesus canceling our debt. That is only half of it. You see, if, if we stop there, guys, we don't see the beauty of the cross fully because the cross was more than just canceling our debt. He didn't just not give us what we do deserve. He actually gave us what we don't deserve. And so if you wanted to show her grace, you know what, 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 what we have to do? We're going to empty out our bank accounts. And we're going to actually give her all of this money, not because she deserves it, but because we want to show her grace. And not only that, our granny and our mamaw, she's going to be your granny and mamaw now. And, and actually, Julia, we're going to go to jail for you and, and pay for your price. Now, now listen, I know that's a silly illustration, but, but get this. At the cross, Jesus didn't just cancel our debt. He actually gave us something. He gave us an inheritance that is incorruptible, undefiled. He gave us eternal life. He gave us sonship. He, he purchased our life at the cross. And that is what the love of Jesus Christ is. Give him back his money, okay? <laughs> there you go. No, you, can put, you, you can put it right there. Give him a round of applause. You say, why do we spend so much time talking and defining this word love? Because this is the word that we are called to exemplify. In 1 John chapter 4, verses 10 and 11, it, it says this. It says this. And this is love, not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sin. Now, church, listen to this. Beloved, if God so loved us, we ought to love one another. Do you know that the birthmark of a Christian is love? When Jesus was, was leaving this world, he actually said, there is going to be an identifying characteristic in your life. And he said this. He said to his disciples, he said, let's see if I can get it. Oh, actually, it's not on there. He said this. In John chapter 13, verse 35, he says, By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples. By the size of your Bible. By your haircut. By the clothes that you wear. You, you ready for this? By the place your rear end is every Sunday. No, 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 no. He says, by this, everyone will know you are my disciples. If you love one another. Jesus actually says there will be a type of differentiating, uh, differentiating uh, characteristic in your life that will stand out in culture, and it's, it's not your haircut, it's not how you carry yourself, it's actually how you care for one another. This agape love. And we're called to do the same. So in the, the remaining time we have left, I just want to take some time 
to talk about three lies about love and three truths. Three lies about love and three truths. If this is the love that we're called, that, that's called to come to the surface of our life, let's look at the very first lie. And I'm going to ask you guys back there to kind of take over the thing because I'm getting confused here. So, all right. Ready? Here's, here, here's the first lie. Love is a feeling. Love is a feeling. No? Okay. Uh, the only time I'm going to sing it evangelical. Uh, so, so, love is a feeling. The, 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 this is the idea that if I don't feel like loving you, I don't have to. I'm, I just need to wait around, and love is going to take me where it takes me, and it's going to just guide me through life. And, and it's, it really is the idea of falling in love, right? Do you guys realize this? We don't fall in love. We fall in holes. <laughs> true, true biblical love that we're called to is not a feeling. It's actually... It's not a feeling. It's actually a decision. It's a decision that we make to love someone in spite of how they act. It's actually above circumstance. It rises above circumstance. So, so much of our interaction with, with people, I love them because they're nice. I love them because they're kind. The true test of your love is when you rub up against someone that you don't really feel, you don't really jive with. Because love is not based on feelings. Now, we get this. You know why we get this? Culture gets this. Because when you go to weddings, you know what they pledge to one another and they don't even know it? Agape love. For what? Better or for worse? Wouldn't it be weird if someone's like, you know, I pledge to love you when everything's good, when you're rich, when you're healthy, and, and you know, when I feel like it. That would be a weird way to, 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 to have a vow, right? We say for richer, for poorer, in sickness and in health, till death do us part. This is the idea of loving someone above their circumstances. So church, do you only love when it's convenient? Do you only love when you feel like it? You see, agape love calls us to love when we don't feel like it. And I think one of the greatest ways that we can do that is in marriage. Can I just be real frank with you? And you guys probably already know this. There are days when, I, when, when my wife wakes up and she looks at me and I can guarantee you she doesn't feel like loving me. I, I just, there, there might be seasons in which that <laughs> takes place. But love is a decision that we have to make day in and day out. So much marriage counseling that, that, that people do, we hear this, well, I just don't, I just don't, I just fell out of love with them. I don't feel it anymore. And, and, and here's the truth. That's not the baram, or that, that's not when we decide to get a divorce or when we decide to separate. You see, that's when we, we decide to live out our decision. You want to know how I know I'm married to the right person? I just take out my marriage certificate and I look at her name. Because that day, I pledged to love her unconditionally. I pledged to love her in an agape way. And if, and if you're truthful, there are days where you're pressed to really have to do that as well. And as Christians, we're called to exemplify that type of love in our marriage. Agape love, this is what, what Chuck Swindoll says. He says this, agape love is the highest form of love. It's a deliberate refusal 
to respond negatively. It's a conquest of the will. It's a conquest of the will. It, 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 it kind of, culture says that that's not love. If you have to try, is what they'll say, if you have to try, then it's not love. That's garbage. That's garbage. Here's the second lie. Love always says yes. Love always says yes. This is the idea, if you don't affirm my decisions, you don't truly love me. Love equals affirmation. You guys know what I'm talking about here, right? People who say, listen, if you love me, you're going to support me no matter what decision I make in life. That also is garbage. You say, well, 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 what do you mean by that? Well, it's just not biblical. It's actually, you see, love actually causes us, causes us to always act in the other person's best interest. Do you know that sometimes the best interest of someone else is for you to look them in their eyes and say, stop? Sometimes in the best interest of someone else, we say, listen, if you continue doing what you're doing, you're going to end up at a destination you don't even know about. Proverbs says it this way. It says, faithful are the wounds of a friend. Profuse are the kisses of an enemy. Proverbs 27, 6. The idea is this. Your true friends will wound you for your healing, but your enemies will kiss you all the way to destruction. You see, the, the, the kind of like tiny secret about people who refuse to talk to other people about the things that are that are blaring in their life is that they're not showing love to that person. They're actually showing love to themselves. Because what, what happens is many of us say, if I have that conversation with that person, they might take me out of their life. They might distance themselves from me. They might talk about me. What are they going to say about me? I don't want to face that type of friction. And so I'm unwilling to have that type of conversation. And what we're really saying is, I don't want to face the consequences of a decision like this. But I want to tell you this. I am so thankful that there are people in my life who have conversations like that. In fact, as a Christian, I invite men in my life who will go hunting for things that they can have hard conversations with me about. Well, in fact, I, I, wasn't, I wouldn't probably be here as a Christian unless there was a hard conversation. When I was 18 years old, I graduated high school. I was uh, working at a place called the Rib Crib. I was uh, bussing dishes, and it was a horrible job, miserable, miserable. But I was trying to make money every, every week so that I could party on the weekends is what I was doing. Wasn't a follower of Jesus. And my brother came during a break one day, and this is, what he, this is what he did. He sat down in front of me, and only the only way that a brother can, okay? And I don't suggest that you say this to people, okay? But he looked at me as a brother, and he said, Brent, you are a complete loser. <laughs> Again, I don't suggest that you say that. <laughs> but he actually looked at me, he said, Brent, the way you're living your life, it's not going to go the place that you want to go. You need to make some different decisions. And, and can I just say, in concert with what was going on in my life, you see, every weekend I would sit in my bed and I would think this thought. I would look up at the ceiling and I would think, there's got to be more to life than what I'm experiencing. 
And then God used that conversation to, to bring it full circle. And I am so glad that when Chris walked into that restaurant, he didn't say, you know what? I don't want to have this conversation with Brent. What, what happens if he gets mad at me? And at that time, what happened? Because I probably would have said some very wicked things to him. I was just super, super thankful that he had that conversation. And here's the truth. Change might be on the other side of a very hard conversation for us. Now, we need to do that in love. And, and, and if you don't know how to do that in love, I, I encourage you to seek out one of the deacons here at the church or, or seek out Pastor Paul because it's really important that we do that in love. In fact, Tim Keller says it this way. Love without truth is sentimentality. It supports and affirms us, but keeps us in denial about our flaws. Truth without love is harshness. It gives us information, but in such a way that we cannot hear it. We cannot really hear it. Here's the last lie that we'll, that we'll cover, and it's this. Love talks. Love talks. You may say, of course I love you. I tell you all the time. I wrote you that card that one time, and it had little XOs on it. I, I mean, I love you. I tell you all the time. And here's the truth. Talk is cheap, isn't it? If I told my wife I loved her, and then every single day I came home and asked her uh, to cook me a bologna sandwich, I don't know if you can do that, but, uh, you know, and, and, and was rude and obnoxious to her, I'm, I'm saying something different with my actions. You see, the truth is, not, not does love talk, love acts. Our uh, life verse, our, our family's life verse, is 1 John 3, 18. It says this, Little children, let us not love in word or talk, but in deed and in truth. Here's the truth. The world doesn't need us to talk about love. It needs us to take it to the streets. It doesn't need us to keep our love in a theological box that we just put up on the shelf. It needs us to take it to the streets and unpack compassion and, and truth in love. But what's so crazy is that the world looks at us and says, you worship a guy who sacrificed everything and displayed this crazy love. He says to display that same type of love, but we are stepping over the needs of the needy. We wake up every morning and we go to the mirror and we say, I serve that guy or that gal. I, I, this is the person who's most important to me. See, truth is this. Love, true love, goes to the streets. It actually is lived out in action. I'll, I'll tell you a quick story and then we'll be done. Uh, story is told about a runaway young man who actually, uh, he was about 15 years old, and he was just tired of listening to his parents. And so one day, he just left. He didn't leave a, he didn't leave a note. He didn't say anything. He just, he just left. But every single week, he would call his parents, and he would say, uh, he would want to talk to his younger, younger brother. He would talk to his mom. And then lastly, he would always talk to his dad. And at the end of that, his dad would say the same thing every, every week. I love you, son. Come home. And every single week, when he did that, his son would hang up on him. And it happened time after time after time. Finally, this dad was like, hey, I, I'm, I'm, I'm tired of this. 
I need to go find him. So he hired a private investigator and found out that his son was a couple states over, found out where he was, he hopped in his car, he drove to the house. The house was in a very, very, very bad neighborhood. It was a crack house. He went there, he knocked on the door. He had no idea what was going to be behind the door. It was very dangerous. And to his surprise, his son opened the door. He was emaciated, skinny, looked very, very tired. And he said this, I love you, son. Come home. And his son fell into his arms crying and came home. And so the dad, a couple weeks later, they were sitting at the kitchen table and says, son, I've been thinking about this and and I'm super glad you are here, but why every single week did you hang up on me when I said I love you, come home? But as soon as I said it at the doorstep, you actually came home. And he said this, he said, when you called me, you said I love you. When you came and got me, you showed me you love me. See, we do a lot of this, but we need to take it to the streets. Because I truly believe that if we live out the type of faith and the type of love that we're talking about here, it is life-changing. It's compelling. People lean into it. They want to know why you're treating me this way. And when, when you, when, why are you being so kind to me? Sometimes people say, and you say, well, because Jesus is kind to me. So here's our application. Here's our takeaway. Re really quickly. It's really easy. As we think of God's great love, how can we reflect this? And I'm gonna, I want you to think about three different areas. Our families, our friends, and our community. And I know many times when we do an application, sometimes you just walk away and say, but I would really like to encourage you as a church to actually write down a way that you can show agape love this week to these areas. When you walk into your workplace on Monday, how can you show that type of love to your coworkers? As you work through your family difficulties, how can you show that type of love to your, to your family members, to our, to our community? How can we as a church family show this type of love to our communities? Can I tell you one way? And this is gonna be my like advertisement pitch, okay? You guys ready for this? One way, tonight we're, we're inviting everyone's uh, parents to come here for Camp Echoes. And there are going to be some parents here who have maybe never walked into the doors of a church. I think it would be awesome if our church showed up and loved on them. We were excited about them being here, and we showed them that we were excited that they would give us an opportunity to pour Christ's love into their children. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for your goodness. We thank you for your word. Most of all, Lord, we're just thankful that you loved us enough to send your son into this world to live a perfect life, to die on the cross for our sins. And Lord, I know that living this out perfectly is, is very difficult. In fact, it's impossible. And Lord, so we need you. Lord, help us to draw close to you. Help us to abide in you as we seek to live out this type of love to our friends, to our family members, and to our community. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to our podcast. For more information, check out our website at ecb.bm. Join us again next week for our next podcast.